0: From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms. I'm Sherita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we'll talk about the tax proposals of the Republican and Democratic nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Does a president even have the ability to implement a tax policy? We'll talk about capital gains, the estate tax, and how candidates view taxes on corporations. Give us a call this morning at 877-MPB-RING with your questions and comments. We'll also talk about Colin Kaepernick and could he be disciplined by his team? for refusal to stand and for his protest. 877-MPB-RING is the number to call this morning with any questions or comments. 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: And welcome back to In Legal Times on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, joined by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. We'll talk about the tax proposals of the Republican and Democratic nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Does a president even have the ability to implement tax policy? We'll talk about capital gains, the estate tax, and how candidates view taxes on corporations. And also we're going to talk about Colin Kaepernick in this interesting situation, um, dealing with him in the NFL and his refusal to stand during the national anthem. We'll talk about that as well. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join us today and talk with us about the candidates' uh, tax proposals, the presidential candidates' tax proposals, any things that you have heard that you may be concerned about and you want to get some clarity on, call us at eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Professor Gershon. How are you today?
2: Doing great, Sherita. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. It's uh, kind of cool on this end, so feeling great and uh, excited to talk about the various topics today. I'll, I'll go ahead and say that I'm not completely familiar with all these tax policies, so you are going to have to be the star of the show, as you are every week. <laughs> because
2: No, uh, no, that's not true. That <laughs> is not true. But, I, but uh, And I'm sure you'll you'll do great. And, uh, you know, again, my, my job is to try not to put people to, to sleep while they're driving, you know, but... <laughs> Hoping about taxing and driving is very dangerous, but.
0: Uh, Absolutely. What, what... <laughs> well, um, so the headlines and just a lot of the news has been filled with uh, Colin Kaepernick. I recently saw an interview of his. Uh, the news media uh, entities were interviewing him about this decision that he's made to uh, sit during the national anthem in protest. And uh, some of the reasons he gave is was because of police brutality against minorities. And uh, he said that he just didn't feel that everybody was being treated fairly and being given justice. So this is his form of protest. Um, So is it possible that he could be disciplined by his team for refusal to stand?
2: You know, Sherita, it is, and I think uh, he recognizes that. One of the things that uh, Colin Kaepernick has said is, look, I, you know, I know I could get cut by the team. I can get cut by the team for any reason. They could certainly cut me for this reason, but I believe in what I'm saying, and so I'll stand behind it. And, you know, he's not the first sports figure to, to take these kind of positions. I mean, one of my uh, heroes who just, just passed away recently was Muhammad Ali, you know, and at the time I don't think people really thought he was a hero for uh, – Protesting the war, it was his religious belief and his conviction. He lost a lot of money. He went to jail. Um, he, you know, he stood up for his his beliefs. Uh, and so, I think, you know, if, if Colin Kaepernick is willing to put his job on the line for expressing his beliefs, I, I just think we have to have to respect that. But I know there there are a lot of different opinions on that.
0: Um, And I'm going to read this this statement issued by the 49ers. This is on NFL.com. It says, The National Anthem is and always be a special part of the pregame ceremony. It is an opportunity to honor our country and reflect on the great liberties we are afforded as citizens. In respecting such American principles as freedom of religion and freedom of expression, we recognize the right of an individual to choose and participate or not in our celebration of the National Anthem. Uh, So... You know, a lot of people are just saying that, that that is his is his prerogative. Like he doesn't have to stand, you know, it says that they are encouraged but not required to stand during the playing of the national anthem.
2: Exactly. None of us are required to stand. I think we, we most of us do it out of respect for the country and the freedoms that it provides for us and, and we recognize it's not a perfect country, but you know, we do we do respect uh, the freedoms that we do have. Um, on the other hand, it is an individual's right not to stand as well you know i did some uh i did some legal research on on the treadmill this morning by watching espn about this subject
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and i shop i don't know if i should have mentioned that network on my name but uh, <laughs> it, there it is and um you know and the fact is you know uh, they talked to steve spurrier on uh, steve spurrier was a coach of south carolina uh, the gamecocks the florida gators and also uh, duke at one point point. and um you know, he said they asked him about it, and he said, "You know what? You know, I, when I was coach of South Carolina. I said they should take the Confederate flag off the, off the uh, capital in, in mm. South Carolina." And he, he was very public about that. Uh, he didn't make a big issue about it. He said, "You know, so I, I respect that his willingness to speak up when he believes what he believes," and you know, I, I, I think that's probably what most people think. I've heard a lot of. You know there was reaction by some NASCAR drivers today that was negative. Some of the other players have said, "Hey, you know he ought to, you know he ought to get a job, so doing something else instead of taking millions of dollars if he's not willing to stand for the national anthem." So I know it's controversial. I would love to hear what the what the listeners think about it. Um, but if we we really value First Amendment rights, we have to value the right of someone to uh, to say and uh, and demonstrate in ways that we don't agree with.
0: Yeah, we have a call from Tom that we're about to get to in just a second. And if you're listening and you've been paying, atten- paying attention to the Colin Kaepernick story, uh, his refusal to stand during the national anthem, he's uh, protesting. Give us a call. Let us know what you think about that. Does he have a right? 877-MPB-RING is the number. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. Tom is in Mobile. Good morning, Tom. What do you have for us?
4: Good morning. How are you?
0: Hey, doing well.
4: Awesome. Yeah, so, um, you know, this, this, the Kaepernick situation is very interesting to me. Um, I, I think, A, uh, just, just as your speaker was saying, uh, it's very important that we understand that. Uh, I think the, the biggest reason that people Kaepernick is because, you know, they say we have soldiers fighting for our freedom and he's standing against the soldiers. I think he's doing the exact opposite. I, I think those soldiers are fighting for him to have the ability uh, to speak out in a, in a voice of dissent. Uh, and I think it's very, very dangerous for us as Americans um, to, to reprimand someone for using their rights because that can lead to a slippery slope on the other side of, of uh, what we call the legal bill, prior restraints. And I think that's exactly what we're fighting against right now. And that's what the First Amendment guarantees us is the ability to speak on these issues. I think it's a, an amazing issue. Uh, I think King said it best. You know, a leader is, is not uh, determined by the popular consensus uh, he, he, he drives by his moral compass. And that requires sacrifice you know he knew he you know it could cost him millions of dollars, but I think the the principle of human rights moving forward uh, is more powerful uh, and more moving to him than than the issue of money uh, and I could take a question or comment off air it doesn't matter I think that but I think that's where we need to be more in America right now I think okay that's great
0: all right good thoughts Tom uh, Dean Gershon any response
2: I think Tom said it all the fact is you know uh, soldiers fight for the right of Americans to to speak freely and to to offer dissent you know that it's interesting because I wonder how many people who are criticizing Colin Kaepernick for not standing for the national anthem for example have have also made critical comments about the president of the United States whether it was President Obama or George W Bush or Mm. any of the the previous presidents I think you know we we probably all have at some point depending on uh, our political beliefs and that is our right to, to say things about bad things about our political leaders uh, and to question them and to, uh, you know, to, and to raise issues about them. So, so similar kind of speech. You know, there are a lot of countries where you can't do that. You know, North Korea would be one of them. If you, I would imagine if somebody doesn't stand at the appropriate time uh, when it's required in North Korea, there would probably be dire consequences. You know, you see pictures of the Nuremberg rallies in, in Nazi Germany. And uh, you know, when somebody said the Seikal salute, everybody better respond or you know, they could be imprisoned or, or killed. We don't want we don't want that kind of government. We want a government where people are free to dissent. And um and a lot of good changes occurred because people have been willing to stand up and take a take a minority position.
0: I, I'm interested to know at what point uh, will the protest end? Like what kind of results um, in particular is he looking for before he says, okay, this is enough progress for me. Now I'm going to stop protesting. I would really be interested to know, you know, in particular, what, um, you know, what kind of results he, he wants to see.
2: Well, I think he wants to see a, a change in terms of racial equality and just, you know, uh, you know, a better conversation about um, what is happening in our cities where, uh you know, we have a much higher rate of incarceration of people of color and and uh, African Americans, and you know, just addressing some of those issues. But that being said, just sitting during the national anthem is not going to change any of that. So, uh, you know, the the substance is what we really ought to be working on. And I, I realize the statement is, is is something that comes from his heart, and I, I support his uh, his right to do that. But you know, some of the other players have said, "Well, be be a real activist then. You know, do something about it." You know, this is one, one symbol. And so just sit, if he can sit out the you know, the rest of the the national anthems the rest of the year, if he wants to, that's not going to change anything. Uh, Something more has to happen. But at least what he's trying to do is raise awareness for for the problem.
0: Mm. Well, this is an interesting time, um, you know, to do something like this with social media being as powerful as it is. I mean, I've seen some comments that just made me cringe you know folks are saying oh i hope you tear your acl um he's been called all kind of vulgar names that i can't even say on the radio and and that's just just really concerning i mean he's really taking a lot of backlash from this uh, so I'm interested to see how this is going to unfold. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we'll get into our other topic of the day which is the tax proposals of the Republican and Democratic national nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. We'll talk about things like the estate tax, capital gains, how candidates view taxes of corporations when we get back. But if you have any comments on a Colin Kaepernick story and his decision to not stand and protest the national anthem call us at 877 ring. If you have any questions about the presidential candidates tax plans things that their tax policies things that you've seen or heard and you have questions or comments about 877-672-7464 we do have some lines open you can also email legal terms at mpbonline.org this is think radio to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we're going to be talking about the tax proposals of the Republican and Democratic nominees Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Does a president even have the ability to implement tax policy? We'll get to that in just a moment. And we started the show talking about the Colin Kaepernick story and his decision to sit out the national anthem in protest. And Timothy in Louisiana has a comment about that. Good morning, Timothy. What do you have for us?
5: Well, I just want to, let me preface it by this. I'm a 64-year-old white male, born and raised in the South. And I have seen segregation in depth. I see it daily because there are some folks who, you know, I mean, when I had my Obama sticker car on my car, you would not believe the comments I got, okay? And I stand in solidarity, or sit in solidarity with a young man. I, you know, it reminds me of, of um, Carlos down there in uh, in Mexico City in 68, you know, holding his fist up. And I am completely in solidarity with him until the situation is straightened down. And it's clear um, that we've got a long ways to go with the kind of support that Trump has gotten, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So Timothy?
5: That's, that's my opinion.
0: All right. Thank you so much for your comments. Professor Gershon, any follow-up thoughts?
2: I, well, I appreciate Timothy's comments, and I think, you know, um, it, it, that's, that's it. I think that's the point is that we, we as a country have to embrace our freedoms and, our, and, our, um, and, and the responsibility that comes with that and the fact that if you look at our history, you know, we have not had equality throughout our history in this country. We've gotten better. Uh, but we still, have, we still have things to do. And how we approach that, I think we need to have that conversation. We absolutely need to have that conversation. Um, and, you know, what I think Colin Kaepernick is trying to do, and, and he's the only one that can really express what he's trying to do, is trying to just draw attention to the issue and to, and to continue uh, that, this conversation that we have to have as a country. But what's great in this country is we can agree to disagree with each other, and we can uh, do so without violence um, and, uh, and without fear of incarceration, without fear of, you know, ending up at a gulag somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. And we have to remember that because for anyone who has criticized a president, you know, by crit- what, what Colin Kaepernick is doing is criticizing a flag. That's also a symbol. The president is a symbol of our country. Uh, you know, if you criticize our tax policy, that's what we all want to be able to do. And uh, and so, um, you know what Timothy Timothy said it probably better than I did.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting correlation uh, when you talk about criticism of the president because we know that is very, very common. Um, so transitioning into um, our topic about the uh, current presidential candidates, Republican and Democratic nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, uh, we're going to talk about their tax policy, policies and some of the things that they are proposing. Uh, so let's first start with the question, does a president even have the ability to implement tax policy or is it Congress that enacts this legislation?
2: Well, Sharita, when I teach uh a tax class, I always tell my students, I don't create tax law. The president doesn't create tax law. The media doesn't create tax law. The only, the only authority in terms of creating tax law is uh, Congress. Now, Congress can delegate some uh, some of that authority to the Treasury Department uh, and, and then the Treasury Department, the IRS is part of the Treasury Department, but they can't make law. The Treasury Department and the IRS really can't make law. It's Congress that has the authority to make law according to the 16th Amendment of the Constitution.
0: All right, uh, we're going to jump back to the phones. Jackie and South Haven has a comment about the Kaepernick story. Good morning. Jackie, what do you have for us?
6: I just wanted to say um, I support his right to sit. Uh, I, I think instead of making a big hullabaloo about him sitting and not standing, we should think about why he's doing that? The issue—that's what we should all be talking about and examining our our own thoughts about it. Uh, why this man is so uh, passionate? It, of course, it's a wonderful—it's a great cause for those of us who um, love uh, freedom of speech. Um, but we we usually just like freedom of speech if they're speaking our opinion. Mm. So um, I just wanted to go on record as having uh, made my comment that I do I support him. And I think we should look at the reason he's doing this and not so much that he's doing it.
0: All right, Jackie, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Professor Gershon, as you said, you know, if, if anything, if nothing else, it's just a way to raise awareness. But she made an excellent point when she said we are proponents of, the, you know, free speech as long as it is swayed toward our our opinion. I have to agree with that uh, in totality. So... Um, but 877 MPB Ring is the number. This morning we're talking about the tax policies of the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, if you've heard something about their proposed tax policies and you have questions or comments, give us a call at 877 MPB Ring. Any comments on the Colin Kaepernick story, you can call us as well, 877 672 7464. Professor Gershon, so you know, you said the Congress is, is, is in control of the, um, uh, the tax policies. So, presidential. Candidates are basically just proposing these things, and, and is there a guarantee that they will get approved?
2: Not at all. You know, it really depends, Shridar. It depends on on you know the composition of Congress. I mean, I, I think certainly a Democratic president has a better chance of getting uh, you know any proposal through a, a Congress that is predominantly Democratic, and a Republican president likewise uh, has the same opportunity. And so, you know, if we have a Democratic president and a Republican Congress, uh, you know, then really the president can propose a lot of different things, and Congress could just reject all those proposals. But that's part of our balance of power. Uh, you know, we, we have the, the uh, Congress making law. The president can propose law. Congress make, makes the law. And then uh, the president can veto a law that the president doesn't like. Ultimately, if a law is passed, then then the courts, uh, particularly the Supreme Court, can weigh in on the constitutionality of that law. So, you know, we do have balance of power here. So the president's proposals are just that. They don't mean that that, that's what's going to happen if this person is elected president.
0: And so um, the, the president's proposals, are these based on personal views or the party's views or what?
2: Well, that's a that's a great question, Sherita, and I think probably a little bit of both. I think Hillary Clinton probably you know being the the candidate of the Democratic Party that was uh, pro, you know more more predictable, uh, and, and so you know really uh, follows much more uh, closely to the Democratic platform than say Donald Trump, who's considered a little bit of an outlier, uh, uh, you know, not mainstream Republican, and so you know he has a tendency to say what's just on his mind personally and not necessarily following uh the party line we've seen lately for example on immigration that you know there's some change maybe in the way that that he's uh personally feeling about the issue of immigration so a little harder to predict uh you know based on pure uh pure party platform with him
0: all right uh we have a call georgia is in jackson with a comment on the colin kaepernick story good morning georgia what do you have for us Good morning. How
7: are you? Doing I, have well. good, good, good. I, I have a question. Good, good, I have a question. I personally, a statement first, I can't believe uh, that we are still having these kinds of conversations, not understanding why African-Americans or why blacks do what we, why we do what we do. I, it, most intelligent people would say, oh yeah, okay, that's why you're doing it. And, and it's, it's in order. But at what point, were we part of the national anthem? Were we part, considered part of the human race when the national anthem was written as well as the constitution? And, and it's the, basically, in my opinion, it is the hearts of man that has gotten us to this point. And it's the hearts of man that's going to remedy this situation. We have to have a change of heart. Someone has something to lose, they think. But when you're doing right, you have everything to gain. And my last point I want to make, Mr. Trump, how does he expect us to respond by him saying we have nothing to lose by joining him in his abuse against all human beings, not just African Americans? His indirect abuse and his abuse. Please speak to to Mr. Trump's response. How can, you make How can you make that? How can you make that? And general statement, you have nothing to lose with the suffering that we have suffered, what we've been through and what we're presently going through. It's it's an out, outrage. Thank you so much.
0: All right, Georgia. Thank you so much for your call, Uh, Dean Gershon. uh, Well, as she was talking about uh, the national anthem, you know, I had seen some stories about some lyrics, like a particular verse that was omitted from the national anthem, a verse that we don't recite, um, and in some ways, it has been interpreted as a celebration of slavery. Some of these lyrics. Um, So, you know, when the callers are saying, "Well, look, look to see what exactly it is that Kaepernick um, is protesting about," these some of the things that i've seen uh that idea that topic came up about some of the omitted lyrics of the national anthem Uh, but do you have any other additional thoughts on george's comments
2: no i appreciate george's comments um and you know the the truth is if we look at our history uh, we had slavery as part of our initial constitution we had uh, women did not have the vote uh we you know uh, religious minorities uh suffered Oppression, You know, doors were closed based on, on race and, and national origin in some cases. So, but, but I will say we've come a long way. And we've come a long way because we've had these conversations, because of protests, because of people like Dr. King who raised awareness for these issues in, in a peaceful way uh, and through freedom of speech. Um, I remember the, I guess it was the 1968 Olympics when um, Carlos Williams and other uh, African-American athletes who had won medals at the olympics stood at the national anthem but raised their uh, fists in, in a black glove in protest you know whether people like those things or not they're memorable uh, and they're memorable because someone is in on a stage in, in a center stage where there's a lot of tv coverage about them and so they can bring awareness to these issues um, but if we don't if we don't have these conversations we never see the, the the positive change that has occurred in this country uh, you know, uh, we no longer uh, have, you know, segregation laws, for example. That's not that—not to say that we don't have some school districts that still uh, are segregated, um, whether uh, that's by law or just by the way that happens. We still have a long way to go.
0: All right. Gabe is in Ridgeland with the comic. Good morning, Gabe.
8: Hey, Sherita. Always good to talk with you.
0: Hey, same here.
8: Hey. Um, I want to give you my uh, perspective really quickly uh, and then make my comments uh, I'm a long-time, uh, deep-seated uh, Ole Miss fan, and I've, uh, I'm old enough to have been through the, uh, the removal of the uh, Dixie Flags Stadium, the removal of any um, even altered Dixie Flags um, from the stadium, eventually from the Grove
3: from the removal
8: of, uh, from the change from Colonel Red to an actual Civil War soldier to the kind, that, you know, somewhat harmless old man that he was for most of, um, you know, the time that I've been alive, to the removal of Colonel Red completely. The uh, removal of the South will rise again as a statement at the end uh, from Dixie with love, which I always thought was a beautiful combination of Dixie and the Battle Hymn of the Republic to this year the removal completely of 50 in any form, shape, or fashion from uh, the band at Ole Miss. And uh, while I disagree Mm -hmm. with some of those decisions, each of those decisions represented the removal of a symbol, which could be argued, in in my opinion somewhat fallaciously in some cases, but could be argued is offensive or stands for the support of slavery or a way of life that obviously we want have nothing to do with. Now, the, the, the major problem that I have with what um, Colin Kaepernick has decided to do is he is disrespecting a symbol that in no way can be argued represents institutionalized bigotry or um, racism. As your guest, very appropriately commented, my background's in history and political science. In the 1960s, we had laws in this country on the books that disenfranchised
3: large groups of people
8: and laws that separated, segregated, hurt, um, you know, marginalized people. And so I, even though I disagree with the black power movement, and it's violent, and I disagree with the, those two young men's decision not to salute the American flag at the Olympics, I can at least understand why they would do that. The idea today in 2000, <laughs> in 2016 that, that we would disrespect the American flag as if in this country that symbol represents the institutionalized disenfranchisement or bigotry or racism, that I find enormously offensive. Um, so there's my perspective, and uh, there's my
0: comment. All right, Gabe, thank you so much for that. We really appreciate it, and I uh, appreciate you calling in. Um, Professor Gershon, any thoughts?
2: Well, I appreciate Dave's thoughts, and, and that's what this is about. This country is we can express our thoughts. This radio station is about the ability for people to impress, uh, express their thoughts, and, and Dave uh, did so um, with passion and thoughtfully. Uh, you know, that it is. It, a lot of people would say it's disrespecting the flag not to stand uh, during the national anthem. The one thing I would say as a lawyer is it's our right to disrespect symbols. Uh, you know, it is. That is our, our right as American citizens. And while that may be offensive to many people, it may be offensive to me, I will, I will uh, honor that person's right to show that disrespect. The same thing, you know, again, with people saying nasty things about a president. It's a similar, to me, it's a similar thing. I mean, there's been a lot, you know, we you know, on this show we've had people say disrespectful things about about the current president and past presidents. Uh, that is our right to do that. That's what makes us such you know, a, a strong country in terms of uh, our free speech.
0: All right, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we will uh, dive into the tax proposals of the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. We'll talk about capital gains, what they are, the estate tax, and uh, how the candidates view taxes on corporations. We'll get into uh, the thick of those things when we return from the break. The number is 877-MPB-RING if you want to join the conversation. Maybe you've been paying attention to some of the proposed tax policies of the presidential nominees and you want to call in with your own thoughts or questions or comments, 877-MPB-RING is the number. We've also been going back and forth and talking about the Colin Kaepernick story. If you have any thoughts on that, his decision to sit out the national anthem in protest, 877-672-7464 is the number. All the lines are open. This is MPB Think Radio.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome
0: back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today we've been talking about two different topics. We've been talking about the Colin Kaepernick story and his decision to sit out the national anthem in protest of things that he feels are injustices. We've been getting your comments and questions about that. And also we're talking about the tax proposals and tax policies of the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. If you have any comments or questions, call us 877-MPB-RING. All our lines are currently open. If you want to join the conversation, plenty of time for you to do so, 877 7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. All right, Professor Gershon, so um, let's talk about capital gains. What are they and why do they matter?
2: Well, Sherita, for, uh, a lot of countries don't tax what is known as capital gains. Capital gains are when you invest in property uh, and then sell that property later if that property has gone up in value. Then you pay a tax on the difference between what you paid for it and what you got for it when you sold it. Uh, so if I buy, you know, Coca-Cola, so I just did it again. I just use a or any or Pepsi or any of the, the soft drink stocks. And, uh, and you know, I buy the stock for a dollar and I sell it for $100. In this country, the difference between what I paid $1 and what, it, what I sold it for $99 would be taxed. But we get, we, we've traditionally and historically given a special rate of taxation for that tax on that difference. It's not taxed the same as the dollar you and I earn at, at our employment. It's taxed at a lower rate. And the idea behind that is that uh, we want to encourage risk taking, you know, which would be investment in the stock market, investment in real estate. We want to encourage people to be entrepreneurial and take that risk. We also don't want to uh, have people have to pay tax on gain that was only caused by inflation. So if I hold something for 30 years, it may have gone up in value but may not really reflect, you know, greater spending power. And so the capital gains rates pretty much have always been a part of our tax code. Uh, Interestingly enough, they disappeared when Ronald Reagan was president. Um, The rate then was 28% for capital gains, but that was also the highest rate for Uh, ordinary income, earned income, like salary income. Uh, Since then, the the tax rate on our salaries has gone up, but the tax rate on capital gains has has gone down.
0: Okay, Um, so let's talk about how the presidential candidates differ on individual income taxes.
2: Well, the first thing that uh, I'll look at is, let's talk about um, Donald Trump's uh, brackets. I mean he would he would lower the the highest bracket to twenty five percent and then there would be, it would start with a zero bracket there would be some people who would not pay uh, any income tax at all and that that's true now that really is true with exemptions and and the standard deduction. It is possible that you know people with low income do not pay any taxes at all. He would have four brackets uh, zero ten twenty and twenty five um, and the zero bracket would take singles with income under $25,000, and couples with income under $50,000 out of the income tax system. Now, now, the one thing that we have to look at in both candidates' proposals is what is income? What, is it, what, is, what does that really mean? But assuming that we keep the same definition of, of income that we have now, that would mean that people married couple with $50,000 or less in income, and I'm assuming he means taxable income, would not pay any taxes. Uh, as far as Hillary Clinton, she would not change the tax brackets at all. Um, but there would be an additional 4% surtax on any income over $5 million. Um, So, you know, for very wealthy people, she would increase the amount of tax. Uh, Trump's plan would actually, and and so let me back up for a second and say, for most people, Hillary Clinton's tax plan would not change uh, anything. They wouldn't pay less, but they wouldn't pay more. Under Donald Trump's plan, almost everyone would pay less, including... Uh, the people who would pay the most less, if you will, are the top 1% of taxpayers. They would they would benefit the greatest amount. Under Hillary Clinton's plan, the top 1% would actually pay a little bit more in taxes, uh, and everyone else would stay about the same.
0: All right, we have a call to get to. Alice is in Fairhope, Alabama, with a comment about the Colin Kaepernick story. Good morning, Alice. Hello. Hey.
6: Well, I'm... Uh
8: don't quite get all this upset about the National Anthem. Uh, my understanding is that it was written by Francis Scott Key in a verse of nationalism, watching a battle, but it was then adapted to the use to a bar song, a drinking song. I, I just wish that they would change the National Anthem to be America the Beautiful, I think
0: that's
3: much more appropriate.
0: Hmm. Okay, so that's what I had to say. All right, Alice, thank you so much, uh, Professor Gershon. Any thoughts on that?
2: Well, I appreciate what Alice is saying, and and a lot of people have mentioned that. Um, one thing I think America Beautiful, the beautiful, is probably an easier song to sing too. So people <laughs> who sing the national anthem would tell you that they they would prefer that as well. But you know, it, it, I think in any event, whatever national anthem was playing, you probably find that Colin Kaepernick would still sit. It's more, I think, the symbol of the the American flag being raised uh, before the football game. And, and his protesters. I think, you know, not so much about the song itself, uh, although uh, Alice raised some, some good points. It's not so much the song itself. It's more about what is taking place in our country. And he thought that would be how he could express that.
0: All right, Alice, thank you so much for your call. Uh, 877-MPB-RING is the number if you have any comments about the Colin Kaepernick story and his decision to sit out the national anthem in protest. We're also talking about the tax proposals and policies of the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. If you have any questions or comments about your own tax status, any concerns you have, uh, any clarity that you need about their policies, call us at 877-672-7464. We do have some lines open. That's Eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, so, Dingerson, what what are your thoughts on the people um, and what they are saying about these policies? You know, do you find are you hearing that more people are along the side of Trump and his proposals or Hillary and her proposals?
2: Yeah, it's an interesting question, Sherita. And I think if you if you just take the average person and say Trump would lower your taxes. Hillary would probably keep them the same unless you're very wealthy, in, that, in which case you would raise your taxes. Uh, you know, who would you go with? A lot of people, when you say somebody's going to lower their taxes, that's their, their first inclination. But let, let's keep that in perspective because, um, you know, what under the Trump plan, there would be about a $9.5 trillion, uh loss of revenue, uh, which is, you know, that's just a – just a projection based on the lowering of the tax rates and the lowering of the some of the other uh, repeals that he would do of our tax in our tax system. So let's you know let's say we have, we have that nine point five trillion dollars to make up. The only way our government can raise money is through taxes, through borrowing, or through uh, cutting expenses. And so a reduction in revenue through taxes means that we either have to increase debt if we're going to keep spending the same or we're going to have to cut spending and a lot of the the spending that takes place actually helps people who can't afford for example health care things like that um that spending is really designed to uh try to help the poorest of our our nation so you know a lot of the programs that are cut i know uh, legal services for example over the the last 30 years has suffered uh Tremendous amounts of cuts, and uh, you know, when so we're cutting expenses, but what we're doing is we're we're providing uh, less and less uh, justice and and access to legal services for the poor. Um, so we just have to we have to balance all those things out. Then if we if somebody lowers your taxes, then the question ought to be then all right, well, what are we going to do uh, to make sure either social services are kept? Are we going to borrow more money? Or are we just going to give up on some of these social services? Those are all things that we need to talk about. Uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, proposal would raise another 1.1 trillion in revenue, um, and so you know that solves that problem. It doesn't solve the problem for people who want smaller government and less spending, and that's really, that's the discussion. I think we focus on the on the tax rates. Simply lowering taxes is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, And if you look at our history, the economy has has really actually often done better uh, in times when tax rates were higher.
0: All right, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we have several calls to get to uh, to talk about the Kaepernick story. Christopher, Tim, David, and Eddie, if you guys could hold on, we'll get to you right after this break. And we'll also talk a little bit more about the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees' tax policies. But uh, when we get back, we have a lot of comments about the Kaepernick story. This is in Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent. Joined by Professor Richard Gershon uh, of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we've been talking about the tax policies proposed by the Republican and Democratic presidential nominees, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Uh, But we've been talking even more about the Colin Kaepernick story and his decision to sit out the national anthem in protest of those things that he considers injustices. And we've been getting your thoughts about this throughout the hour. Christopher is is in Jackson. Good morning, Christopher. What do you have for us?
8: Yes, good Day to all hey so my question is why is nobody really talking about the issues that he's standing up for you know besides the act like the injustices for black and brown and poor caucasians and the plight of care for veterans
0: all right um well that's a good question christopher and professor gershon we've been talking about that throughout the hour another caller said the same thing um as opposed to just uh you know um, scolding him for doing this consider the reasons why he's doing doing it as a as an effort uh, to raise awareness uh professor Gershon any thoughts
2: well i, th- I think Christopher's point is, is really well taken i mean the fact is we're so busy we don't we don't want to hear the message right we don't want to hear the message uh, i think most people would love to hear the fact that everything is fine um and so when someone says it's not fine we find ways to uh, approach what they're saying and say well i don't like the way they're saying it and 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 uh you know the the, the truth is I, we get better as a country when there's dissent we get even if somebody's wrong you know people are laugh, people in in our country and our society uh, our free speech allows someone to say something that's wrong you know as long as they don't know it's it's uh, harmful to another person and and they they're purposely lying about another person so you know we we're talking about um this 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 person's free speech rights but what we really should be talking about is uh you know, how we how we deal with these issues in our
3: society
0: christopher thank you so much we are going next to tim who's in hattiesburg good morning tim what do you have for us
3: yeah i'd like to comment on that also um you know let me give a little bit of a background to qualify my statements uh you know i guess i can i became a, a conscious human being in the in the early 60s and uh and lived through as a young kid. I uh, got a i was confused of what was going on, but I became aware of the sadness of, uh, you know, Robert Kennedy being shot, uh, and other great things like the Apollo missions that went on, uh, Martin Luther King's uh, assassination, and the Kennedy so forth. And came through that era where I think there were some really dark times. He came out of that with a great enthusiasm for this country, and I—I I, I would just like for us in this this time of heightened uh, sensitivity because of these elections of dividing people up so that you can, you know, uh, count on large uh, sections of population to vote a certain way. I think as a country, I think it's time that we get back to awarding behavior and not so much all this emotion because uh, behavior is not uh, relegated to one race or one gender or sexual preference or anything. Behavior is behavior. And, I've also served as a combat leader in, uh, in Afghanistan and led some really great troops. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, for for me, that American flag stands for respect and the honor of those individuals that gave their lives for quite, in my opinion, a, a privileged individual like a NFL quarterback. And I guess if you looked into his record, how much does he even donate? To some of these things that he's standing for. I mean, he's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Does he even contribute to Black Lives Matter? Which, quite frankly, is nothing more than than, than a money issue anyway. It's just, uh, you know, a, a generation of, uh, of individuals that feel like that they're privileged. And if you're not victimized, you're not legitimized. And that's turned into being legitimized means that I'm entitled to something. So I, I just want to leave with a comment that I think it's time we get back to awarding behavior. And if you know, one of the greatest things that I've found in life is being a part of something larger than yourself and standing. And what better symbol than that United States flag for what it has done? Certainly not perfect history, but look how far we've come. That's my comment.
0: All right, Tim, thank you so much for your call. We're going to go next to Eddie, who's in Spanish Fort, Alabama. Good morning, Eddie. What do you have for us?
9: Good morning. Thank you both very much particular my call. Mm-hmm. Um, not unlike Tim, I am also of that particular generation. I remember vividly growing up as a youngster in middle class white America and hearing the protesters, hearing the love it or leave it rebuttal, if you will, from the older generation. And in a sense it reminds me very much of what's happening today. I have had a very unique experience in my life, mainly because I've spent virtually half of it living in the north and half of it living in the south. And as a result, I think I have a forest from the trees perspective of both. One of my concerns as a white individual is when there is an immediate rebuke for people who in the eyes of some, disrespect our institutions. But yet I feel there's very little sense of knowing what the disenfranchised, what the quote-unquote minority have gone through. And as a consequence, I don't feel like I have the right to properly ascertain and criticize what someone else has gone through if I myself have not gone through that. Mm -hmm. So I think... If I will use the expression, I think there needs to be a, a halting of a rush to judgment based upon whether someone should or shouldn't comment, criticize or not criticize, and not to use a trite comment, but as they say, walk a mile in someone else's moccasins before you throw stones. That's really all, all I had to say. Thank you both very much for taking my call.
0: Okay, Eddie, uh, great comments. Thank you so much. Yeah, Professor Gerson, you had something?
2: No, I was going to thank Eddie for his comments, and I uh, appreciate that. And that's what, I mean, this conversation is about. I think, you know, we, we've had so many good comments today, and not everybody agreed with each other. But, you know, that's what that, th- this radio show, I think, encapsulates, This today's show especially, encapsulates what makes America, you know, special uh, and uh, not perfect but certainly special among a lot of the countries of the world where, you know, free speech is not as valued.
0: Uh, David, we have about 30 seconds left, uh, maybe less. Uh, What is your comment?
2: Uh, Ms.
3: Brunt? Yes. Thanks for taking my call. It struck me as interesting the the two points of conversation today. One, uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, and, and a lot of social unrest,
9: people who
2: aren't satisfied with how quickly things are improving, things aren't moving fast enough, which is perfectly understandable. And then, on the other hand, taxation is something that hasn't changed really since we started the country, frankly, and how it's odd that, granted, civil issues take precedence, but how a, a celebrity talking
4: about one draws more attention than an elected leader talking about the other.
0: Hmm, that is interesting uh, David thank you so much for your call we appreciate that comment Professor Gershon thank you for being on today uh, Jonas Adams was our board operator Kevin Farrell was our call screener don't forget you can listen to the In Legal Terms podcast all you have to do is go to mpbonline.org or use your own podcast app to subscribe if you have missed some shows and want to listen and uh, coming up next relatively speaking a part of the Southern Remedy series with Dr. Susan Buttress right here on MPB Think Radio